As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Two-player games, three-player games, four, five, six. Where does it end? Joel and I have a discussion about that. Movies, stuff we've played, you know the gist. That's why you're listening. Unless you've been tricked. And if you've been tricked, you're in for a treat. (laughs) It's Halloween. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. This is the station based in Guelph, Ontario, Guelph, Canada. Sometimes I have to call the U.S. and the say... Station for the nation. I say, on t- uh, yeah, hi, this is Jack calling from Ontario. <laughs> That's it. And then sometimes you'll hear a pause. And, uh, Canada, oh yeah, how's it going? How's it going, eh? They don't say that. Nobody's, it's funny, nobody does the A bit. It's so played out that... We have this heartwarming news from Kingston, you know, the, the Jamaica, <laughs> Kingston, they accidentally <laughs> left the, uh, the no frills open and people <laughs> walked in and, and took stuff and left cash behind. Oh, look at that. And everybody paid for everything that they took. That's incredible. And Are you sure it was, it was like, Kingston? <laughs> it's like a lovely story. And I was like, man, this should be global news. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like just, just to elevate Canada's profile just a little bit more. It's pretty Canadian to <laughs> the idea of like somebody forgetting to lock up the store and people going and just buying stuff anyway. And buying <laughs> is the key word, not just like free stuff, free stuff, free stuff. <laughs> Even though I still think it's impossible. Like everyone, the, the, the cliche, I remember when, um, what was it? Bowling for Columbine came out and, uh, there's a scene where I think Michael Moore is walking around just opening up doors in Toronto or somewhere oh, like yeah. that and people are like hey how's it going it's like mmm <laughs> it's <laughs> just shocked that none of, nothing's locked but. I mean I don't lock my door typically at home. like if I'm when at home, home I'm not yeah. going to lock my door I know some people do and I think that's a little paranoid in my opinion it's like what, what are you worried about my parents are terrified of fe- like they lock the door when they're at home but they, they, mom swears people have tried to come in the house when she's been in there. So, but she's kind of, she's on this side of the, like, if she had a shotgun, she'd be blasting people before <laughs> stepping foot into the house. But typically we lock the door overnight. Overnight. Absolutely. I'm sleeping. Come on. Do you, would you, here's a question. Would you feel safe or content if with your door unlocked? If you went to, if you left unlocked at night. Well, I know I don't because sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, did I lock the door? Yeah, and I hear it's, noises and because we got people down below us too. Yeah. So you always hear noises and it's like, are they in here? Yeah. Are they taking my stuff? Well, I mean, <laughs> the people below you, that'd be a kind of a. <laughs> the funny thing is when I actually come out to like see and just to check, you yeah. know, because I yeah. convince myself I have to. Yeah. What am I going to do in that situation in my underwear with nothing? I think that's the best thing because you, you look crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've definitely, I've told you the story before, but at um, uh, my parents' place uh, over by the university, I remember one night. I was hearing these noises coming from the the driveway, and it's a very echoey driveway, and it sounded like the sound of someone because people had come through and tried to open up my parents' car door before, mm. and they've gone through and stolen change and stuff from the car, so you can't leave yeah. anything in there, and that's partially my parents' fault for not lock, forgetting to lock the car door, but I'd say it's ninety nine percent the fault of the person who's actually stealing from the car. Yeah, committing a crime. Committing the crime, right? <laughs> but it's like you, there's a, you know, you try to keep yourself out of those situations. But anyway, one night I'm sitting there, and my room overlooked the the driveway. And I could hear these noises, and it sounded like somebody trying to open the door of the car. I think, those something. And uh, I grabbed um, a, a device <laughs> from the my cub, uh, closet, and I ran out my underwear, screaming, Who are you? I'm going to kill you! <laughs> and there's like the scampering noise. It was just a raccoon trying to get into the <laughs> into the garbage. <laughs> but I was very American History X-esque <laughs> moment. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, my hair was long, so <laughs> not quite the same. But either way, it was just like I was ready for blood. I, I swear to God, if if I caught somebody, they would have been they would have uh, been one of these things where maybe you didn't even t- look at your window first. No, <laughs> out. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the logic that your brain goes through early in the morning. You yeah. know, especially when you're woken up by something. Yeah. yeah. 
Never, never very sound, but it's always on the on the high end of like the caveman part of me responding to danger. Yeah, exactly, threat detect, destroy. Threat. Your ancestors didn't didn't do the right thing, and they're all dead. They they, they sat there, go no no threat, go sleep, and then the dinosaur ate them. I don't know. Anyway, that's uh, Android Zone is a show about threatening non-existent entities. Yeah. Uh, when you're waking up, genetics, genetics. Um, I, I, before we started the show, I was gonna—I was about to ask Joel if he's listened to this. Speaking of crazy conversations that are maybe the most, one of the most entertaining things I've listened to in some time, um, the Joe Rogan Alex Jones interview. Oh, I've been meaning to. I heard about it, and it sounds incredible, awesome. absolutely it's incredible. The second one too. Right? Um, it's the second one. The first one was kind of funny, but I didn't listen to it as much. Um, but there was a good mashup where they took um, one of these clips where Jones is going off, which is pretty easy to find, yep. and they superimposed the. I'll load it up in a second. The some music from Deus Ex over the back of it, just like the standard stuff. But the way he's talking, it just like it's like, did they rip it from the 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 1999 game? Like, where did this come from? 2000? So it was just perfect. But anyway, the contemporary one came out like a week ago or something like that. It is incredible. I there are moments I'm laughing so hard. There are moments where I'm just like, this is why Jones is so compelling. Is that he just talks and talks and talks. He's dead serious about it. And I've heard mixed things where some people say, um, I think. uh, Gavin McInnes has said no. He's he's doing a character because he's friends with him, and the the Jones thing you don't get. Joe Rogan on the other hand has said no. He's hundred percent serious. And yeah. after the Joe Rogan appearances, I'm leaning towards the serious side. I think, yeah, but I believe but it. he smiles every now and then. Like I think he knows. <laughs> when he says something like that's totally crazy maybe he knows how nuts he sounds that maybe that's it like there's a self-awareness but just because you're self-aware doesn't mean that you don't believe in the whatever you're saying but so give us some highlights what are some of the best things he the, said? there's so the best i'd say the best part where there are a couple of times when he's just going off talking about human animal hybrids and um the and to be honest as as someone who loves conspiracy theories and um the occult i found there's a neat mashup of the two where there was, a, there was a big conversation with the Nazis communicating with aliens, and that's where they got their technology from. But there was a mix between vampire Nazis and alien Nazis because the aliens were demons, and demons are aliens, and there's this the, the, the concept of all these entities kind of combining to form one cohesive sort of wow. insane... It's like a game of Smash-Up. A game of Smash-Up. Far more entertaining, <laughs> let me tell you. And I got the pirate ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got the alien Nazis. <laughs> Hey, I'd buy that expansion. <laughs> Sounds way better. Make a anyway. So if you get it, it's four and a half hours, I think, and it flies by just like a game of Mega Civ. You are not disappointed, in my opinion, listening to it. And he brings in one last thing I'll say about this, and we can get into the show proper, is that there's he brings on a third guest, a guy named Eddie Bravo, who I don't know his story. Apparently, he's really good at jujitsu. He might be a comedian. He might be a musician. I don't know what his story is, but he is crazier than Jones. <laughs> And the best part is when they're... <laughs> Are they all agreeing on this thing? No, no. Jones, in fact, they're disagreeing a lot because Jones is saying uh, he's getting upset with Eddie Bravo because Eddie Bravo is a flat earther and denies the space is real. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that go- there goes Jones' theory. So, Jones is, is getting upset and Bravo's pushing his buttons a couple space times. Space is just a blanket. This so, guy was you can't prove that. You can't prove that. <laughs> Have you been there? And all these things. So, Jones is saying he's going to fund an expedition to prove the earth is round. <laughs> and Eddie Bravo is saying, do it. But he's not going to be on on the expedition and Jones is furious about this and it just it was, it was incredible absolutely incredible uh, <laughs> legendary I think it's probably one of the best things I've listened to in a long time excluding this show yeah obviously our commentary on the thing yeah that's even better so it's even better than yeah don't even bother with the five hours just listen to our one solid classic hour of radio you don't need anything else except for things that we approve of and allow you to listen to yeah uh, but, after but speaking of an hour of radio obviously uh, if you've if you're from Guelph or you're in the area, you know CFRU is in sort of a probably a fairly real danger. <laughs> Not to get into all the politics of it, but I guess uh, the long story short is kids signing up for September classes are going to either check a box that says we want CFRU or they aren't going to check that box. And apparently, if fifty percent of people don't check the box, is that what it's going to come CFRU down to? Is a straight up referendum? closing no i think it's uh it's how much funding they get and each student contributes funding based off right whether or not they volunteer (laughs) voluntarily contribute their money to a radio station joel i i think it's gonna be a tough sell (laughs) so it's a grim it's a grim prospect so (laughs) at the same time jack is uh is looking for a house so if you if you you have one out there (laughs) 
uh, I think Joel's trying the, to sell a shovel. Um, and the two things are related because Jack is going to build a studio. And he's going to consider that when he's doing his renovation. Well, you know what? This sounds, it sounds funny, but when I was watching, again, going back to the Rogan thing, because he does this out of his house in yep. his basement. He has this little studio set up going on. I was like, you know what? You hear all these podcasts that are out there. Not everyone's coming into a, a professional studio like yeah. CFRU is. Peop, you can build your own setup so easily at home, and all you need is a half-decent mic and maybe, maybe a mixing board, like a yeah. tiny little home one, and you can have a copy of whatever software you want to use. It's, it's inexpensive and accessible to all. And who knows, the university might be doing a little sell-off in September. We might be able to pick up some hardware. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> this time, like, you will be upset about the CFRU carved into some of the... Uh... Oh, yeah. But that's not going to happen, folks, because the this station the is never going off together. the air. It's going to be like an 80s comedy where it's kind of like... Almost like the Goonies, now that I think about it, because oh, that yeah. was the whole premise of save that. save the farm. Save the farm, save the... Save the they're going to shut down the frat. They're going to do something like this. We need to band together, and we need to raise the money to save it. And then it, the, what's going to happen is we're going to be... I'm sorry, you're $1,000 short. And then the banker is going to be licking his lips ready to foreclose Not anymore <laughs> i don't know where the thousand's coming from uh maybe joe rogan shows up <laughs> joe rogan because he's a big fan of the show big fan of the show and he just chokes out the banker <laughs> and then everyone cheers well yeah i mean we've got some options we could we could go into do like a shut up and sit down kind of thing where we actually put <clears> some <throat> vidge out and, uh, you know what i've on i want to record some something for a while yeah box opening that should be easy you just yeah, my hands getting chafed punching out things but anyway joel what have you been playing recently uh honestly i only played one game since we last spoke and that was a quick game of cribbage i think Crib we've which yep is that a different game or are you just making fun of me no i'm just saying it in a funny <laughs> way okay <laughs> cribbage we've talked about once or twice on the show i think uh and it's funny you bring it up because about two or three weeks ago mum was saying teach me how to play cribbage Oh, yeah, and because she's heard so much about it for some reason, or maybe something brought up the other day. She's getting to that age where cribbage is where cribbage socially <laughs> required. I guess so you have to well, anyway. Um, so she doesn't know how to play. I'm I've, I'm pretty sure I've tried to teach her once or twice before. I'm not the person to teach it. I've played it a lot. I know how to play, but I'm not. You, you know, can you think of games like that where you you know how to play it, but teaching it would be kind of a, a grind because it's like oh. It's almost like you need somebody else to get the ball moving before Can't you can remember the niceties or yeah yeah exactly so some of the subtleties and then afterwards like oh yeah I screwed that up even though I do that anyway with games I pretend to know so yeah anyway well any game that I haven't played in a while really anyway how did cribbage go good yeah it was a fast game it was like everyone was averaging or me how and many Sam, players me and Sam were averaging see that's the thing is I think cribbage <coughs> is a two player game really at its heart three three works three and four player if you're doing teams whatever. yeah. yeah. But it's a two-player game. Yeah. And I was just actually just thinking, I mean, Cribbage is fine. It was a fast game. It was a fun game. But uh, I was just thinking about two-player games in general because I don't really have much to say about Cribbage. Yeah. So I brought up this list. And let's, I'll, I'll just throw them down and we'll <coughs> see what you think about uh, this list here. So so we'll start with Pandemic. Well, wait. Sure. Where did this list come from? This is Emily Heller on June 21st, 2018. So and everyone should pay attention. Emily Heller. Dot com. <laughs> Whoops. Never mind. Quality media outlet. Um, so let's just throw them down. Pandemic. Yep. Sure. I know that Kyle, the guy that did the Nationals with me, him and his partner played a ton of, especially Pan the Legacies. Now, Pandemic 2 player is, in my opinion, way easier than playing with three or Super four. Super easy, yeah. Um, it, but it, why? It, aren't the same amount of like events still in there, though? Yeah, I think it's just that it's uh, it's more uniform planning. Yeah. And also, uh, if you've got two characters that work really well together, uh, you don't have to worry about the peripherals. You yeah. don't have to worry about that dispatcher and the, and the quarantine I, specialist. The dispatcher is actually pretty good. Yeah. Getting those extra moves out of stuff. But I think he's better. He gets exponentially big, better yeah, with yeah. more players. Yeah, ex exactly. Uh, Rivals for Catan, which I have never even. We've opened. got that. Oh, yeah. you you own it. It's have you played uh, it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it was an interesting take on Catan. That uh, it, it's weird that it's tile based. No, no, no. It's it's well, I guess you say tiles, but it's cards. They're weird square shaped cards that you put down. You're kind of building this village in front of you. So it's a neat simulation of what Catan really is and you spin the cards to indicate how many resources are on them as you spend them for stuff so oh, cool. 
For some reason, I feel like I'm really whistly right now. I don't know. Anyway, so it's a neat game. Um, I don't think, it, based on my plays of it, it's not necessarily something that we're sitting there going, want to get in some Rivals of Catan? But it is a two-player <laughs> car game. It travels nicely. Yeah. And if you're obsessed with Catan, like I know some people are, you need help. But you are maybe the right person to try this game. But it is different enough that it might be... You know how sometimes they try to make these abstract versions of two-player yeah. games? or and then It's, it's just like, the same game, but... Well, I was stripped, almost, a, stripped stuff away. Well, I was almost going in a different direction where it's like they try they change it too much. Where oh, it's okay, like, yeah. oh no, so it'll scare away people. Like, not everyone who likes Seven Wonders is necessarily going to like Seven Wonders Duel, for example. Which, what's Glad the next one? <laughs> yeah. So I would say this is the number one. Uh, Seven <clears throat> Wonders Duel has been probably the most popular two player game I love for it. a while. I really, really like this game. I don't know about Pantheon as far as I think it's a good example of an expansion that is an expansion, literally that. If you've played the hell out of the base game and you're sitting there going, this is kind of tedious. I need to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Get the expansion. That's what it's there for. It's, and there's nothing critical in it, too. That's something else that I really like where it's, it's not new content. New content, which is, and, and I feel like I'm, I'm all this Alex Jones talks has me, my mind racing, but. <laughs> the aliens brought it down. Aliens brought it down. It's, there are these expansions that come out that fix games or are unnecessary, for, or not saying that Pantheon is unnecessary for Seven Wonders Duel, but it's for people that you, it's for enthusiasts. Yeah. But for example, with the, and I haven't played it yet, but I'm excited to, the new Feast for Odin expansion, which came oh, out. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone that I've read about who's played it says that you can't play the base game anymore without it. So it's turned into this thing where it's huh. like playing, uh, what was Agricola, the Farmers of the Moor expansion or something that's like some people swear by where you can't yeah, play the base game anymore. So how many games of Feast do you think you got in? If I said under, I'd say half a dozen. That's probably... Yeah. It's just such it's a... It's not bad, though, I'm, for how... It's an all-day game, more or less. It's not even an all-day game, because a play... With setting two, up and Setting up down. and taking down, but even that's not as bad. I think the issue is just, like, it's a bit of a production. Yeah. Getting it out and putting it away, and you're just kind of... Well, I had a lot of fun, but... So that's probably what I feel about Pantheon, is probably, like... Okay, if I've played this less than 10 times... Yeah. I probably don't need Pantheon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've played it 10 to 20 times, like, for example, Megan and Brett play uh, Sherlock and Holmes, I think it's called. The two players. Sherlock and Watson. Sherlock and Watson. Um, or all the time. Yeah. Every single lunch they would be playing. Which is So nuts. if there was an expansion for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's, that's 100% what I'm getting at is a game that if you're yeah. consuming it so much, and this is it, if the game on its own is still intriguing and still showing up surprises, yeah in its base form and you're still enjoying it great good for you some games though get this to this borderline solved state where yeah. it's like you're just looking for one thing or you you know too much of what's coming up and your decision is already pre-programmed i think yeah. that's when an expansion mixes it up like carcassonne base game you can sit there and you're just aim you know exactly which tiles are coming out or yeah, what you you're know, aiming for you know what could be coming and, and then you don't want to do this for it. exactly versus when you dump in a couple other things it adds a bit of it, suddenly you have some more interesting decisions to make and that's what a real good expansion uh, i'd say sam and i the exact same way with splendor right cities of splendor really did fresh, it fix it? freshened it up good that's it's, great it's 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 all the same content but yeah, you yeah. can throw in extra stuff the modules yeah it just changes makes your classic decisions yeah may or may not be correct anymore. So do you say then for if you are a Splendor enthusiast, you need Cities of Splendor? No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. It's just more stuff. So if you've played Splendor to the point where you're, oh, you know, like you, you know, like if something flips, they're going to take it. And, yeah. you know, you know who's going to win yeah. uh, six moves in, which yeah, is yeah. probably one of the weaknesses of Splendor is somebody gets ahead, they just get more ahead. Yeah, the rich get richer <laughs> in Splendor, that's for game. sure. But, uh, yeah, in, in this at least, you know, there's a chance to, to throw some things in those gears that just start rolling. Oh, I like, yeah, that's a good way to put it. But make, forcing you to at least shift into different paths as opposed to just like, I am programmed down this way because I played the game 50 times and this is the only way yeah. to win as opposed to, whoa, I actually, somebody screwed with me, now I have to do this. Like, I don't know. It's uh, My main issue with the Splendor expansion was how much bloody money it is because it's almost the same oh, price yeah. as the game. And it's like, come on, man. The cunt, I've seen what's in the box. <laughs> what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Before we get off Seven Wonders Duel, yeah. uh, I have a story. So Cat is a friend of the show, came on the show, talked about their 24-hour fundraiser. Yeah. <clears throat> um, came by my desk the other day and said... Joel, what do you think of Seven Wonders Duel? <laughs> and without hesitating, I said, 
it's probably I'll never play Seven Wonders again. One of the <laughs> best two-player games I've ever played. Wow, that's a huge endorsement. And then I said, okay, one of the best accessible two-player. Yeah, yeah. Probably the best t- accessible because then I thought about Twilight Struggle. And I was like, oh, all right. Um, and they said, great, I'm going to go play. Uh-oh. They came back and said, this is their review of Seven Wonders Duel. They said, the game is already decided when you lay out the cards. They said, in the way that the cards are laid out, decides who's going to get what. One second. <laughs> I know what you're queuing up. <laughs> wrong! <laughs> yeah, absolutely wrong, and I, I agree. It's... <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what happened in their game, but this is the way Kat described it was... Um, <clears throat> I know exactly what what's up going was, on. Here. Yeah. They got every single resource possible. Yeah. And their opponent didn't get any of them. And then they also won with a military victory, which is like so you got all the resource cards and all the military cards. It sounds like your opponent was just bad. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to see I that's one of those things where it's like I want to see the replay on this because yeah, exactly. look, it is the look, I'm I'm not ruling out the possibility, but at the same time, the way... So what Joel is describing here is that... So the original Seven Wonders is this drafting game where you're passing cards around and you are building up... It's a, it's a neat game that I don't like, but it's it's a neat abstraction of the civilization building game and drafting game, and you're trying to keep in mind what your opponents are holding on to and what they're building, what you're doing. Um, the way Seven Wonders Duel does it, there's no drafting. You build these um, strange pyramids or stuff on the table... And what happens is the first row of them are all available, uh, or usually you can see what the first uh, area is, and you can take one of those, and some of them cost money, and you can buy resources, or you can pay your neighbor for them and stuff. So it's usually very easy to afford things, but how much you want to pay for them is a better question. Um, So you take cards, and what happens is as you take cards, the ones that are turned face down, if you've removed a card that would would basically make it so that nothing's overlapping that card, the face down card on the the temple or the pyramid, you flip over those cards, you reveal them. And at that point, that's really in the meat of the strategy of the game is that obviously you're doing all the other stuff, but you're strategically revealing things. You don't, if you don't like what's out there, you have to be very careful about what you reveal because you might theoretically be giving things to your opponent. So if they've got a lot of military going and you're concerned you haven't seen much military on your turn, you don't want to take a card and suddenly reveal a nice military exactly. card for them and push you over the edge. So there are times where you have no choice but two, because you always have to take a card, whether it's whether you can buy it or you sell it to the market for some money. But there are times when you can be forced in this uncomfortable position. But the idea of somebody somehow just like swooping across and getting everything possible and every military card is unlikely, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's, it's, it and is it is possible. That's a good example of why you don't review a game after, after one, one play. play, right? Yeah. yeah. But I'm disappointed that they didn't have the best time. But um, yeah. anyway. But we're we're both big fans of the game, and you should definitely check out Seven Wonders. Inexpensive too. For Inexpensive. You can shrink it down to a very simple travel size if you want to. The box is already tiny, but if you want to shrink it even more, very easy. Yep. Now the next game, I want to ask you, Jack, what happened to Carcassonne? In what sense? (laughs) (laughs) So when I met Jack and Kayla back in the day. Uh, Carcassonne was out all the time. They were constantly playing, and yeah. all the expansions too. Yeah. So, so when did you stop playing, and why? Um, I wouldn't say we stopped playing. It's more just the it hasn't because we actually got it out a little while ago. I'd say three weeks ago or four weeks ago or something, and we put it on the table. And we just played with one expansion, and it, we still had a great time. I think the only reason why it's kind of disappeared a little bit is because. Um, it, I don't want to say it's solved, but it's more one of these games that's like a cozy game that if, if you want, like Carcassonne, Carcassonne, okay, we can just play this. It's almost like it's, it's to some people Scrabble. Yeah, I can see why you're saying that. Just a just a game that they've played a hundred times. Exactly. So, like, if you play DC with yep. with Sam, it's like you both know everyone on, is in Carcassonne is one of those games where everyone is on the same page as far as I'm concerned. Like, Kale and I both equal footing with these and you can screw with the other person just enough or you can be nice or you can you can do certain things and it's just not 
but it, we know the game well enough that, to recognize what is occurring. The board state is evident, unlike some games where you haven't played them as much or you get them out there. Like, if I'm playing Concordia and someone's doing something, unless it's, like, painfully obvious, it's I'm just going... So, I still love... Yeah. I absolutely love Carcassonne, and I would put it in... I know you're not as fond of it, but I would put it in my... Um, burgeoning list of like if you needed only a certain amount of games. Yeah, well, I w- I'm not a fan of the genre, but uh, Carcassonne is probably one of my favorite in that genre. Also, yeah, and it's just so simple. It deserves the respect it gets. I think it's pretty, pretty and simple. And it's like even though we've been playing it wrong for a long time, we've switched over to the traditional rules just okay. because it's le- it it is. It, it's not you, the tears aren't there as much when you're not playing Agrisone, and it does create <laughs> it's, um, the better balance of like okay, building into stuff. But in general, I just lo- absolutely love it. It's and I like stopping. What do I it say? Sounds really nice. Yeah. The way you're talking about it. What are you saying? I was gonna say when I love games that when you're done, especially a tile builder, that that's what's really cool about that. And some of these games like Mad oh, King yeah. and Suburbia, when you step back and you look at. Look at this land that has come together and it's really nice. You You can see what you created. Absolutely love that. Built something with my own hands. My own hands. (laughs) It's just like carpentry, right? (laughs) (laughs) Carpentry. Carpentosa. Whatever. Screw it. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, So those, was that the the list? Uh, There's a couple more. Um, Some honorable mentions I'll just throw in. Um, 1v1 games like Hive and Star Realms and uh, Bananagrams, which is just like a a light scrabble yeah bananagrams is interesting everyone seems to have a copy of that floating around somewhere i know kayla does but all all respectable sort of some of those are 1v1 only some of them are uh you might want to throw them out there if you're uh with a with a partner or a potential partner on a tinder date in a coffee shop something like that i don't know how you roll (laughs) i don't know that's like we should almost that should be a list of something we do of like the the top five games to uh, introduce with a person you, you're on a date with or something, <laughs> and it'd just be a hilarious list of totally <laughs> horrible selections. <laughs> I went to John's birthday party last night out in London, and uh, I was really worried. Friend of the just, show, John Fenema. Yeah, good guy, but obviously he's got a whole <clears throat> new group of friends, and oh, I'm no. a little worried that when I go out there, you know, I'm gonna have to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> but luckily, I forgot, and I should know, because obviously he <clears throat> was one of the founders of the boardroom. Yeah. Back in the day, John loves board games, too. And so he immediately brought out a giant bag, and we started playing code names and Skull and a bunch of other good How games. How many people so, were there? Uh, there were about 12, but we had two tables. All so. right. So did you actually have two tables of games going? Yeah. That's wild. Good times. I, like, I still, I'm, I'm knocked down <laughs> when somebody says that. You, you're out? At a brewery. Oh, see, now I'm double surprised that not <laughs> only did you guys go out, but John brought board games, and then you guys split into two separate tables to play these games. It's, look, it's good times. I get it. But I'm just surprised. Yeah. Really, really and then we don't. did crowdsource trivia, which was probably the worst trivia I've ever heard in What's my life. crowdsource trivia? It's basically everybody that came to the, the party gets to submit two questions. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> People just made them impossible. Were they brutal? <laughs> Absolutely impossible to guess. And then basically so, whoever was on the team that had submitted those questions would get it right. So scores were like in the twos or threes? And yeah, that was, uh, they were slightly above 50% on each category. It's an interesting idea in, its, uh, in principle. And I kind of like the idea of like, okay, crowdsourcing it. And then you write down something legibly. Everyone gets something. And I'm going to go through them ruthlessly. And if I like the question, I'll keep it. Oh, yeah. If I good. don't, then it's gone. I mean, maybe if you had a bigger pool to draw. That's what from. I mean, like a bigger pool to yeah. go through. I'm not talking about just like six people and come up with the, the craziest, brain-burniest questions possible. Like, what is the yeah. top velocity of the African swallow or something? What is the, uh, here, here, here I'll accent. give you one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, per, What is the fraction of a proton required to see the radio wavelengths in order to isolate the correct um, element that they were looking for in the Haldron Collider? 420. So 420ths? Yeah. That was one ten thousandth or something like that. That's a terrible question. And yeah. if I had been there, <laughs> someone would have died. So that would right? have been just there would have been a drag into the streets and that's the end. Right and there. it was like what Star Wars character got its own serial in nineteen eighty three? Well, all right. See, that's a little more interesting because at least you can guess something like that, yeah, right? At least you, you can, can go guess. like, "Oh, I don't know. Was it Chewbacca? Was it R two D two? We can we can yeah. pretend to know. You the might get it. What was the answer, by the way? C three PO. Was it C three PO? All the characters get thrown. <laughs> yeah. Was a cartoon in real life? 
uh, serial. Uh, it was right after a movie, so I'm assuming it was a real-life C-3PO. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a second. Stay tuned. and living forever and the secrets of the universe and they want to know all this. Some are good, some are bad, some are a mix. But the good ones don't ever want to organize. The bad ones didn't want to organize because they lost after power. Powerful uh, consciousnesses don't want to dominate other people. They want to empower them so they don't tend to get together until things are really late in the game. Then they come together and evil's always defeated because good is so much stronger. And we're on this planet and Einstein's physics showed it, Max Planck's physics showed it, all of us, at least 12 dimensions. And now that's why all the top scientists and billionaires are coming out saying it's a false hologram. It is artificial. The computers are scanning it and finding tension points where it's artificially projected and gravity's bleeding in to this universe. That's what they call dark matter. So we're like a thought or a dream that's a wisp in some computer program, some God's mind, whatever. They're proving it all. It's all coming out. Now, there's like this sub-transmission zone below the third dimension that's just turned over to the most horrible things is what it resonates to. And it's trying to get up into the third dimension that's just a basic level consciousness to launch into the next levels. And our species is already way up in the fifth, sixth dimension, consciously, our best people. But there's this big war trying to, like, basically destroy humanity because humanity... What you just heard was a, a neat little mashup we had alerted to, alluded to before, the Alex Jones Deus Ex Joe Rogan interview, where he's laying right out there, folks. Yeah, I mean, the, the studies, they're all coming out. The studies. Um, read the facts. Read the facts. and your eyes. Cheap, wake up. And the before that was Dreary Dreary uh, by the Gothic Archies from uh, The Tragic Treasury, which was, I don't even know what you want to call it, a, a side project, but what's his name? The front man of the Magnetic Fields. Um, he started this group 
either because he was asked to or just on the side uh, to record the songs for the audiobooks of a series of unfortunate events and all of these okay. new, a song for each one of the books I guess out there um, I there's something about that song that just like gets me <laughs> it's it, obviously it's kind of my jam of sorts but it's it's, it's perfect capture of the the sort of uh, the world that those books are going for. And part of the reason I played that is because Kel and I just finished the Netflix oh, yeah. series of it. There was, was there more dropped recently? More dropped? Like they finished more it recently. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there are three seasons of it. And each one is because um, Barry Sonnenfeld produced it, who's famous for doing um, Adam's Family and Men in Black. Yeah. And there's the he has a style to the his work. And in fact, in most of the episodes, there's usually a little reference to him somewhere. Like there's like either like a painting of some character in the world, but he's known for having his glasses, like the thick rim glasses and just being kind of a schlubby looking guy. So they shove him into these things. Yeah. <laughs> But in general, it's rem- I I watch the show and I'm astounded about how they made it. I, that's a show I want to see like the behind the scenes of because it's so intricate. And I'm wondering like how much money did it cost to make the or produce these sets and really these vivid colors, vivid colors, and the editing is really brisk. And it, it I understand it's not for everyone because the dialogue and the style can grate on you, and it's it's really kind of one of these like bang 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 type shows. But everyone in it is top notch and. Uh, What's his name? Doogie Howser is as Count Olaf is can't be beat. Yeah. He's that good. I'm not sure it was first season or second season that I made it through. What season is it where uh, <clears throat> I won't say too much, but there's a, a plane going over a lake and it may or may not crash into the lake. I don't know. It sounds really. <laughs> it sounds like anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have to check. I guess we'll have some catching up to do. So you recommend it? Yeah, I, I absolutely recommend it. If you like the books, I don't know how different they are. Is I think uh, Fiona, a friend of the show, Fiona, uh, talked about it once, and I think she said they're pretty close, but I could mm-hmm. be making that up entirely. Um, it is a salt. There are better ways to waste, or there are worse ways to waste your time watching TV, especially for something that you're looking at. It's like some some serious artistic vision went into the show. Yeah. Your mileage may vary, though. So. Wasn't it uh, <clears throat> Neil Patrick Harris? Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. Doogie Hauser, whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of bugging me a little bit. Like, I, I just can't remember his name. It? But uh, yeah. um, Oh, we forgot to talk about this last week on the show. Um, so was, we got to play a game that I'd been trying to get out on the table for a while. And it's a party game, but it's not oh, yeah. usual party game in the sense of something. Because usually when you say party game, it's almost derogatory. It, yeah. It's not that they're bad, but it's like, okay, everyone's kind of expecting a certain level or of quality from the game. Yep. Um, so we actually did two of them. The first one, or the second one we did was Telestrations, and that was fine, even though it was remarkable how we were thinking, like, pe- were people screwing up the rules with Telestrations? Like, this is so rough. <laughs> but no, it's just two nearly identical clues. Yeah. And, the and fr- people deliberately. And people deliberately game. kind of playing around with that. And then the first one that we played with, the one that I was excited about, was Panic on Wall Street. Or, and I guess it's a kind of a sequel of sorts to um, uh, something like um, Merchants of Commerce, uh, I think, it, or Agents of Commerce, something like that. Similar premise. But um, the, the way the game works is you have, you preferably want as many people as you can, and everyone's kind of split down the middle in terms of uh, you have uh, brokers and you have, what's the opposite of a broker? Traders. <laughs> traders, yeah, trader, perfect. And the traders start off with a bunch of cash, and the brokers start off with a bunch of shares and different companies. And every round, what happens is you flip over a timer, and for two minutes, everyone screams and yells at each other to buy shares in these companies. And what happens is that, let's say, Joel comes over to me, and I'm selling this one. I have one of these companies in front of me, and it's a red company, which means it has wild swings. Very, very valuable or worthless. Uh, Worse than worthless. It's costing you money. And he comes up to me and says, $20 for a share. And I say, great. 20 bucks, got it. I write it down on this little dry erase marker, on, and he uh, puts one of his tokens on top of this. So at the end of the round, Joel has a share in this company. Well, then all of a sudden, Kayla comes around and says, I'll give you 25 for it. I laugh, flick the token at Joel, and I write Kayla's name on here. Well, Joel doesn't like that. Not one bit. Not one bit. <laughs> and he comes in and says, $30, and you'll close it. And what closing is that you flip it over, and no one can... Uh, outbid you on that company ever again and everyone's doing that and you've got tons of chips and for every different share that's out there and you're screaming at each other and you've only got two minutes to get this down and at the end of the round what happens is you roll some dice oh no stay with me folks (laughs) it's all part of the fun (laughs) and there are four companies of different colors you have blue which is the safest green which is you can never lose money on either but it's not very um not very valuable 
Then you get to orange where, yeah, you can lose some money on orange, but you can make a bit of money. And then you get to red where it's like, woo, let's have some fun because you make could go 70 or lose make, 30. Or yeah, it go ups and downs. And the dice reflect this as well because the scale, the, the way, um, the scale in which they, the die, uh, the chit can move as far as like the value on the company is reflecting on the dice faces. So at the end of the round, you roll the dice and for every share of the company, you get paid whatever the dice have indicated where the share should be. So let's say... 20, 30, 0, and 70. So for every red company you have, you take 70. For every blue company, blah, 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 blah. So you do that for four rounds, I think, or maybe five. And because it's so quick, it's just like the yeah. slowest part is the auction part with the uh, traders, which is probably the biggest weak part of the game because half the table suddenly doesn't care what's going on. Yeah. And But that's what I was saying is that the traders at the end of every round have the option to buy more companies for them to put out there to sell to people as well, but also cost them ten grand per company they've got listed. So you have to at least sell them for $10,000 if you're being a tough guy or being a, a funny man. And that's it. That's the game. I was super impressed with... I had a great time, but I was more impressed with how much fun other people appeared to be having unless oh, they're yeah. totally lying to me. But when soon when I hear certain people that I don't hear too much from usually on some of these things saying, I want it, oh, I loved it, I want to play it again type, yeah. that makes, makes makes me happy, Joel. <laughs> what do you think of it? I think, uh, I think you nailed it in your opening description because this is a game that is a party game yep. in that it's accessible and the rules are very easy to teach yep. and it doesn't take a ton of thought, although maybe some people should think maybe a little more. Maybe put a bit more. more but, um, but it's a real game too. Yeah. It's not... Um, <clears throat> what's a game we can dig on that's just kind of a... Throw it out there, and it's a platform for people to, to mess well, pit, around. The, the greatest comparison like is Pit, pit yeah. is because if you haven't played a Pit, is a card game where you're basically doing the same thing. You're trying to build one whole set of one type of good, but the mechanic is, ignore that, but it's about how you're getting it, where you're just screaming at other people, and what you're doing is you've yeah. got cards, and you're saying, three, 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 three. <laughs> Somebody else has three cards. that go, three, 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 and then you trade them, and that's that. And you just go on and go on, on whereas... Panic on Wall Street, you're screaming at someone like, oh, I've got, I got shares, I got shares, empty yeah. shares here. And somebody else says, I'll give you 20. So can you do 25? What about 20? 25. All right, I'll do 25. And then imagine everyone doing that simultaneously. But I know what you're getting at, though. Like, there's there's a bit of meat to there's it. There's a lot least. of layers. Yeah. It's like, what? how much is the stock worth right now? Yeah. If the stock goes down by one die, yeah. right? The die says minus one. What are you going to get for it? Yeah. And then how much are you willing to pay if it goes down? Mm-hmm considering that it could also go up. So if, if if blues are all worth 30 and they can't go down more than one, yeah. you know if you pay 25 or 20 for every single one of those blues, you're you're guaranteed profit, yeah. right? And then how much risk do you want to accept? Yeah. It's just stock trading and it's a beautiful mirror of it, especially with the red tokens because Absolutely. you can make with a double red you can make 140 bucks which you're never going to see in a you know you're going to have to trade blues for four rounds in yeah, order yeah, to yeah. get that. But <laughs> the dice could roll a negative seven like it did. Yeah. And then the they ruined everyone. But the most fun thing as a broker is to see that happen because yeah. you don't care. No. It's just you're, like you're real life. Yours. You're the broker. <laughs> you're getting that cut. Yeah. They've already given you the 10 bucks or whatever it is a trade. Yeah. It's all. <laughs> it was just fun. And I think that it's, it's a word that kind of gets thrown around a, a fair bit for better or for worse. But it's not something where you're. You're angry about it, and as long as people aren't being obstinate or overly like, like mathing things out too much, because you can't. There are yeah. two minutes, and too people, many variables. And if you are sitting there trying to hash things out in your head, it's like quietly doing some math in your head, someone's going, "Get out of the way! I'll yeah. give you fifty dollars for this." this it's like, and lock it down, and you're like, "Oh, but you're over, you're, out how much you're overpaying for." It. Shut yeah. up! Shut <laughs> <Yeah>. up, <laughs> nerd, nerd, wedgium or something. But that's the thing. It's it's we say a lot of time. It was a bad game, but I had fun. But this yeah. was a really good game, and we also had fun. It, I'm I'm just super impressed with it, and uh, the money is fine. It's paper money um, with silly people on front that are like, well, "This is odd." Yeah, the components are are just acceptable. They're they're adequate, but yeah. it's kind of funny. Uh, it's got some character to it, and the only problem is I don't know how imprint it is. And I, this is in retrospect because I picked this copy up from Australia of all places. Mm. It's one of those rare times when it's like free shipping from Australia, and it's like, and it's a normal price. All right, fine. Well, I can wait a month. <laughs> so yeah. I don't care. Um, I had an idea. Okay. Let's see what you think about this. You crank up the trading time to four minutes. Okay. And you take each broker. 
and you put them in their own room with a desk. And then you have to, like, everyone's Run running from around. from room to room. And then you think you've got it all locked down. Okay, I'm good. And then you go back into another room. And somebody's overbid <laughs> you. And you're, ah, shoot. I thought about that. When we were setting it up, I was thinking it's because it, we everyone kind of went around the table. And I, I saw that and it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's a bit of but, chaos, yeah. yeah. But I was like, oh, I wonder if we should be in, like, spread out a bit more. But it would be funny to try that at least once. Yeah. The whole... Uh, at least maybe give the brokers some space because the brokers are all huddled into one spot, I think. And it's tough to see I'd what's out there, too. Time. Like, if you're trying to buy that stuff and yeah. you're just seeing this blob of – and the tokens kind of disappear on top because it's like a lot of the colors are very muted. And, yeah. uh, um, But, yeah, it was a, it was, I had a great time and I was really happy to get it out because – Yeah, it was awesome. And we're already talking about what we're going to do next time, which means we're definitely going to play it. Yeah, exactly. So – and it's it, – it's one of these things too, where it's like because Captain Sonar is another game that is a party game. I'd say at its core, because you need a big group and there's a huge social element to it. But it's another game where you have there's there's meat to it. You you can't just flounder around and it's not just like chucking dice and calling it a day. And yeah. maybe we need a new category for. Uh, <laughs> uh, real games that are also party games. Yeah, like chunky party games. It's or, not even a party game. It's just like. Uh, this game could be played at a party. Yeah. And party games really they, they have their own category. Yeah. Their yeah, illustrations, yeah. their code names, yeah. their um Would you call code names a party game? <laughs> Cards against humanity. Yeah. I, I um yeah. We need to say good party. <laughs> we need a scalpel. We need to figure something out here. We need to sharpen down to the bone on what this is. Anyway, um and uh, before we move on to, I'll mention that Kale and I did get to play uh, Stained Glass of Frank Sinatra Azul 2 the other day, and we both had a fun time. I Fairly low-scoring game by our standards, but we were this close. I was this close to losing my streak, and Kayla thought she had me, and then she forgot to do her minuses, and she, she was one behind me. So in case anyone uh, who cares is listening, um, I'll shout out to Justin in Sault Ste. Marie. Thank you for listening. Uh, I won. I won. Kayla did not. But I feel like I have to point out that when we played Concordia the other night, I don't know if I said it, but uh, she absolutely crushed me in ways that I didn't think was possible. (laughs) And when I'm looking at her piece moving around the board, I'm worried about being lapped. I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) this is something else. This is humbling. I'm glad you guys have a fairly well-balanced game skill, I'll say, or like even in luck. Because like Sam and I, I feel it's the same way, but I've... I know a lot of people who are like, I love games. This is really fun. Yeah. And my partner plays with me. Yeah. But then you go and you play with them and you realize that it's them playing the games and <clears throat> they're really enthusiastic and good. And then their partner humors them. Right. And I, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And um, there's, I think it's all about, f- <laughs> you know, you got to build up your tolerance. You can't just start with twilight struggle and expect to like this honey didn't, don't you think board games are fun it's like, <laughs> yeah they're great i got invited to a group that's uh, apparently they're shift workers and they can work and play in the daytime so okay. they're looking to to okay. pull people into daytime weekday games uh, and that's interesting that. <laughs> it's like but what do you mean like pop out at five o'clock or are you saying take a lunch and uh... i'm hoping it's around five because otherwise you know it's gonna be tough for me yeah anyway so joel has a list in front of him uh which was compiled by a random internet person nathan mason on board game geek uh facebook post he said he took uh he's got 193 games and he's narrowed it down to his top five per player count so, yeah, this is an interesting list where he's he's created a grid. And usually when I see grids like this, I'm used to seeing, like, God tier at the top and then <laughs> and then pleb tier down in the middle or something. But. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some pleb tier. <laughs> <laughs> of our opinion. Of our opinion, which is... Maybe we're wrong. Which is the word of God, we're so we're never wrong. <laughs> What's claustrophobia? Claustrophobia is a dungeon crawler. So it's similar to um, Gloomhaven, but I think Claustrophobia's gimmick is that, um, and I could be mixing up with Descent, but I think one player is the villain and the other players are, it's like a one versus all. Uh, okay. But I might be mixing up with Descent. Well, Can't it's a two-player game, so probably if that makes more sense, one, then, then yeah. yeah. Uh, so top, two pl- top five two-player games. Let's just list them off. Magic, Star Wars Rebellion, uh, I think that's Pax Paneer, Netrunner, and Claustrophobia. Yeah, so... 
the, the two that stood out to me there obviously were Star Wars Rebellion because it's a giant game. Joel's played it. I have not. Asymmetrical. Um, and then the other one, which is totally like a, out of left field, one is Pax Pamir, which is a, a Cole Cole Verley, I think, a Phil Eklund game hmm. that simulates the uh, sort of uh, empire days of Russia, um, uh, England, and uh, I forget the uh, third party fighting over Afghanistan. And oh. you're you've got it's card based. I don't know if there's a it comes with a board or not. I'm trying to remember, but you're basically are moving things around, and some people swear by it. I actually have it. I brought it with me to San Francisco with the intention of playing <laughs> it, and it was just one of these things where you're exhausted, and my shins were exploding, and I, I I pulled it out and I looked at Kayla, and then I put her right back <laughs> into the back. Couple of hills in San Fran. Couple, couple of hills. But the remake, uh, or not the remake, the reprint of Pax Mir is coming out, and I'm not ashamed to admit I backed it because. There's not going to be a traditional uh, retail release for it. Well, you're getting the game at least. Yeah, I'm getting the game, and it's coming with this beautiful. Um, I think it's like almost like a, a carpety board to go with Ooh. it. That kind of, and the pieces are incredible, and it's a it's a Cole Verley game that's highly highly regarded. And it's just like I'll be honest, it's a collector's thing for me. But I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Someone was saying something about the material and wingspan. I think it's the rule book. It's like canvas. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, exactly. I remember reading it's that like too. like you could spill something on it. It's fine. <laughs> Which <laughs> is pretty cool. Come on. So he also threw Pax Vermeer in the three-player. Yeah. Um, Anachrony, Pax Vermeer, Fire and Ice, or Fire and Axe, yeah. Dominion, and Agricola. So for me, that's obviously, I'd say yes to Agricola. And Dominion, and sure, three player. I don't know if that's the best place for it. I don't know. It's funny because I think a lot of people say Dominion caps out at three. Mm-hmm. Playing four player Dominion is just asking for trouble because it can just be tedious and kind of slows a, it's an already dry game down to something that seems even longer than it needs to be. But yeah, and it throws some randomness into something that you really <clears throat> want to play. Like, does my tactic work or not? Right. You right. Come in with a plan. It, and it's kind of like. Because we were talking about Splendor before. Splendor, I think, is ideally a two-player game, maybe three. Playing four-player Splendor is just like, do you have some dice handy? Because it's basically <laughs> the same thing for me. But whatever. Highest roll wins. Highest roll. But yeah, Agricola, I think, is probably the best one in that. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite three-player game, but let's just say, sure, Agricola. Yeah. Uh, I can't read one of these. <laughs> do you know what that is? The four-player on the left? <clears throat> No, it looks Ruby. like Rubis or Rubin or something, Rubicon, I don't know. I haven't played it. <laughs> I don't, but the rest of them, yeah. Well, so going back, Justin owns Lords of Hellas. Uh, okay. He He kick-started it. And um, I think he ended up, he, originally when he did it, he did the thing I would have done, which is, um, which bugs me, is when they do the Kickstarter and they've, like, they've got the expansions as part of it, mm-hmm. but the expansions aren't ready yet. So what they said is that you can pay to have the base game shipped to you yeah. and then pay more shipping later for the expansions, or you can just have them shipped together to save some money. And it's like, yeah, I'll save some money. I'm not in yeah. a hurry. But I think originally he said just ship them once. And then he was looking at it. It's like, when are the expansions coming? Oh, ship it send it to me so anyway he's got lords of hellas some people swear by it like and i'm i've heard good things that because i love cyclades it's a kind of a dudes on the map on a map type game but there's a tech tree element to it yeah area control and uh apparently it's quite gorgeous to look at too so i'd I'd love to play it i don't know anyone who owns it except for justin though so i think it's concordia salsa or at least the picture looks like salsa that's not the classic no it's venus i think Oh, Venus. Okay, yeah. yeah. But I think you just grabbed the latest image for... Yeah, Concordia, which four-player Concordia yeah, is perfect. totally fine. Absolutely. And Innis is in there, which is good to see. Innis is something... Nobody talks about Innis. <laughs> not a soul. <laughs> and Midgard, I guess. Why not? There's so many new champions of Midgards coming out, by the way. Are there more coming out? Yeah, there's uh, Winterguard, Winterguard, I think, is coming out, which is just this one city. Okay. I kn- uh, the only reason I knew it was the same as a Kickstarter, and it's uh, it's oh. got the exact same font on it. The uh, I've heard the um, the one expansion for Champions of, Mid- Champions of Midgard really kind of fixed some things that bugged me about it. Mm. And one of them adds like like a Valhalla or something where the warriors you you lose can be used for stuff, so you don't feel as irritated oh, like sending when you guys just fail a mission. when you fail a mission. Well, how much did I sink into that little <laughs> dice fest? But, yeah, I'm done. And uh, just before we move on, Innis is supposedly an incredible two-player experience that's hyper, like, we were talking about drafting games before, because Innis is drafting for these these cards, 
Um, but apparently when you play two-player Innis, that it turns it into this absolute precision uh, ballet of death and, mm. and power because you, there's no room for it. Sounds like fun to me. Yeah. Five-player, now you're getting into like, ooh, five-player, this is going to be rough. A little tricky, yeah. So they're throwing in Scythe, which sure. Sure. Uh, Fury of Dracula and Spectrops. So they've so got the, the one, one versus all. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones, the board game. <laughs> Joel's personal favorite. Can you get favorite. up that sound clip again? <laughs> Wrong! <laughs> hold on, hold on. And Shogun. Shogun is um, kind of an interesting one because... Oh, shoot. Where'd it go? There we go. I'm not a fan of Game of Thrones, the board game. Wrong! Because it's just diplomacy bastardized. That's what it is. It's like everyone submits their orders and resolves them in certain... Yeah. But it, what was your main thing, though? You are upset because the, you can't make more troops unless you're far enough yeah. on the track so, so the island guys can't make troops and also the randomness of like the wildlings do a thing yeah and the cards i guess i don't hate the game if i feel like i've had fun i think i've played it probably four or five times usually at high player counts and i haven't despised every time the only thing is that the time length on it is atrocious yeah. and you think about this is the thing that th we've become jaded in my opinion i don't know why i said we but i feel like you're in the same position where if you're sitting down to play a long game you you're if you better be having a good time you better be enjoying it or better be getting something out of it because there are so many other things that we've played that take a lot of time that are so good that you have it's like how is this better than mega sieve how is this better than twilight yeah. struggle how is it better than a lot of other games that you could have sunk that time into exactly yeah. it it's like you you walk away from it going mm, i don't know and now i have another question so you've played four times which is i don't know how you did it but um, <laughs> How often did you see like strong alliances being formed? Because I think the concept of the seven kingdoms in Game of Thrones is that they'll they copied diplomacy because they wanted people to negotiate peace and work in ways where it was mutually beneficial. How and often do you see that, and how often is it just, well, you know, I've I've built a siege engine here, so I'm just going to push through. It's funny you bring that up because I find, like you're saying, the alliance stuff should be really strong. You'd think that this is like this. The, the whole show is based around the like soft power mixed with hard power, with a lot of backstabbing and treachery because you have the alliance in the first place. Yeah. In the game, maybe the times I've played it, it's just turned not turned into that. But it's you, nobody trusts anyone to the point that nobody bothers with an alliance, and it's like yeah. just you're staring at the guy next to you because you know he's going to backstab you, so it's not even a question of, like, let's work together for a moment here. It's like, mm, nah. It's how much force do I need to keep this guy off my back? Keep, yeah, exactly. Keep him off your back or just overwhelm him in such and hold on to his castle because the game is about to end or I need some extra points. It's I don't hate the game. I really don't. It's just way too long, and uh, I've seen people borderline cry, too, which is fascinating. <laughs> but Do we have time for six and seven? Yeah, let's do it. All right, number six, or six players... Uh, we got some interesting ones. Citadels, mm -hmm. Seven Wonders, mm -hmm. Cash and Guns, mm -hmm. Mysterium, mm -hmm. and Shadows over Camelot. Camelot's the weirdest one there because I don't know anyone that would recommend it these days. In a world where resistance exists. Yeah, it's one of those obsolete games. It is obsolete. It is literally obsolete. It's <laughs> it's solved. It is not fun and it's expensive and old. It's like, how yeah. do you... anyway? Cash and guns is a little too silly for me. It's but. yeah, it's like how many beers people had. <laughs> we can play, we can point some foam guns at each other. <laughs> I'll tolerate it. Yeah, uh, Seven Wonders. Uh, I think Jack said earlier today he doesn't like it. I don't Sushi really goes like replace it, it completely. Yeah, it's it's a point salad drafting game where uh, you could do it in a lot more complex ways. It, or sorry, less complex. Less ways. complex way. It's like it's in this weird middle area where it's like I, I I could do simpler games are more fun, and there are more complex games that are more fun. Or I can do Seven Wonders, which is like not doing anything especially oh, yeah. well. But well, I'm glad you mentioned Sushi Go because uh, when I was watching this, so New York Toy uh, Fair, which right. actually was founded in 1903, Ooh, look at that, um, was last weekend, and a lot of new games came out. But it's not it's not Gen Con exciting. Yeah. It's not Essen exciting because. Uh, toy fairs have kids games mm -hmm. so they're mostly kids games a lot of interesting ones you know some familiar names matt leacock has escape oh, from space and uh, a couple other big bunch of hava games up there yeah. <laughs> um sort of a quicks remake too with patterns looked mm. kind of interesting but more or less um sushi go is coming out with sushi go dice mm. which could be interesting 
I'll play it. <laughs> I'm not against it. I want to see what they do, though. But on this list, it's Citadels for me. Yeah. Citadels is the game. I like Citadels. I've, I only play it with you, though, because... Uh, yeah, because I'm the one that... You're the only one that owns it, yeah. Okay, before we go, seven player. Um, shoot. Shadow Hunters, The Resistance, Cash and Gun, Saboteur, and Bang. Bang, awful. Saboteur. It's fine. Yeah, why not? Resistance is the only one there. It's like, and seven player is such an awkward mount, but yeah. anyway. What it, I feel like it was a down end day. Yeah. <laughs> and Shadowhunter is hilarious, but Shadow, just don't play it. I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Uh, play Shadowhunters if you want to know what we're talking about. Bye.